Pastor Brian is uh, down in Lower Michigan, and uh, he and Ellen celebrating Thanksgiving with her family. And, uh, so, I asked if I would uh, fill in today. We uh, are so blessed to have so many uh, wonderful, wonderfully gifted uh, musical people. I was thinking as I was sitting here looking up and seeing all of the new faces that were up here uh, leading us uh, into praise and adoration of the Lord. And last week we had some. And it's just just wonderful when we uh, come together and uh, are able to sing praise to Him and to rejoice and celebrate our risen Savior together. Uh, it's, it's always uh, interesting to me to... Uh, we, we were here a few weeks ago or a couple of weeks ago when we had the, the uh, music evening and there were so many people that were here with so many uh, wonderful, uh, wonderful musical gifts and uh, it's good to see some new faces up in the front uh, worshiping and leading us. Well, uh, last week uh, was beginning of deer season a week ago and I was in my deer blind and uh, sometimes people say well you know what do you do when you're in your deer blind and you're kind of waiting for uh, something to show up and believe it or not I bring my daily bible reading into the deer blind with me and uh, so I had my bible and I was reading and as I was reading uh, in first corinthians I was reading scripture about uh, in First Corinthians about thanks, and uh, really struck me with Thanksgiving coming up and anticipation of uh, Thanksgiving. It really struck me uh, how many uh, blessings that we have and how many uh, opportunities we have for sharing and giving thanks. And as I was doing that, and as I was uh, sitting there. And thinking through uh, and praising the Lord for the many uh, things that I have to be thankful for, one of the things that crossed my mind is none of the things were things. As I was giving thanks and praising the Lord, I was thinking about people and relationships and connections. And it didn't really hit me at first until I was kind of just prayerfully considering that. And as I was reading the scripture, we are so blessed as a nation. And it's so easy for us to get wrapped up and to be thinking about the things that we have to be thankful for. That sometimes we lose sight of the people that we have to be thankful for. And so as I was reading, uh, I noticed that uh, Paul was very thankful. And so then I, I kind of decided, well, I'm just going to look uh, back at uh, other letters that Paul wrote. And, and almost every one of his letters, almost every one, not every one, but almost every one of his letters, he has in there a thanks for the people that he's writing to. And I thought, that's pretty cool because he had a lot of reasons to be unthankful, didn't he? 
Think about all of the things that he had gone through, all of the things that had happened to him as he was out there witnessing and trying to, to help people to come to a relationship with Jesus Christ. He was attacked on every side. You know, he had been beaten and whipped and, and uh, falsely accused and, you know, all of, the, all of the things that he went through, tortured, put in prison, falsely accused of things. And so I, I thought about that and I thought, where are our hearts when it comes to this issue of thanks? And so today, we are going to be looking at verses. And so you need to get your Bibles ready and be ready because we're not going to be in just one book. We're going to go through a number of letters uh, that, that uh, Paul wrote to churches and looking at some of these uh, things that he was thankful for. So we're going to begin in Romans. And if you're using the, uh, I want to say pew Bibles, but they're chair Bibles that are in your rows, uh, the uh, first uh, one that we're going to look at is page 1,116. And uh, just makes it easier for you to find where we are, especially with a little different version. So we're uh, reading out of the ESV. And uh, in Romans uh, chapter 1, Paul uh, begins uh, his letters of thanks. And so uh, let me just lead us in a word of prayer and we'll begin by looking at the word. Lord God, I thank you for uh, this day. I thank you for the privilege of your uh, gift of being able to read your word for those who have written it for us that we can uh, take it and read it and then learn, Lord, how to apply it in our daily lives. And so as we're gathered here, we just pray that your Holy Spirit would lead and guide as we study and look into your word, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to begin uh, today in verse 8 of Romans chapter 1. Paul says this, uh, he's writing to the church in Rome, and he says, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I mention you always in my prayer, asking that somehow, by God's will, I may now at last succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you, that I, might, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, that we may mutually encourage, be encouraged by one another and our faith, both yours and mine. I do not want to be, you to be unaware, uh, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented in order that I may reap some harvest among you as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. So Paul is writing a letter in anticipation of his hope or desire to come to uh, the people in the church there. And he, he starts off with first. And I wonder sometimes, is that the thing that comes to our mind when we think of somebody else? Do we think, first, I thank God for you. Do you ever think about that? First, above everything else, I thank God for you and for your ministry, and for for all that you are to me, and what you have done for me and with me. But notice what he proclaims, or what he points out to them. He's thankful, first of all, for their faith. Faith, Their faith was what? It was a witness to the whole world. 
If somebody were to uh, be talking about you or about me and say that this one thing is a witness, would it be our faith? Would it be that we have a strong faith in Jesus Christ and his finished work on the cross? Or would they say, well, you know, uh, he's friendly, he's nice, he's this, he's that, she's this, she's that. Or would it be our faith? That we are strongly secure in our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. I would love for somebody to be able to say, your faith is such a strong witness. People, People talk about your faith. Wouldn't that be a wonderful thing? And and so Paul is commending them. They're saying that your faith is a witness in the whole world. In other words, people everywhere are talking about the church in Rome. And they're saying, they have a strong, awesome faith in Jesus Christ. I would love to hear that people are talking about Bethel Baptist that way. That Bethel Baptist, that, that church up on the hill by the golf course, those people have such a strong and healthy and wonderful faith. Wouldn't that be a wonderful witness to God about our church? Well, then Paul goes on and he, he says, not only am I thankful for your witness to the world, but I'm thankful to God for you. For you as an individual... For you and, really he's talking about you as a church and our relationship together. I'm thankful for you. And I can tell you that I am thankful for Bethel Baptist Church. But I'm thankful not only to just Bethel Baptist Church, but I have a wonderful relationship with with the evangelical pastors here in Marquette County. And we, we get together every Wednesday and, and we can encourage one another. We pray for one another. We bless one another. And it's, and it's wonderful to belong to a group like that. So I'm grateful for them. And I, I, I'm involved very much in, in our district of churches, 120 churches in Wisconsin and Upper Michigan. And, and because of my role on the board for that group and, and as, as the chairman of the board, one of the blessings that I have is I can go down into Wisconsin someplace and I run into people and I can be thankful that they'll come up and they'll say something to me or, or we'll encourage one another. And that's what it's like to be a part of the family of God. And, and so even as I'm speaking today, part of what I'm sharing is going to be about us, but it's also about the bigger, the church. We're part of a great big church, aren't we? Well, he was also praying for and thankful for the relationship so that when they get together, they can have further instruction and mutual encouragement. You notice that he starts and he says in there, I'm anxious to come to you so that I can bring you a word of instruction. And then there's like, you can almost kind of sense as he's writing this, a a kind of a little bit of a pause. Oh, and, and it's not just me instructing you, but you're going to instruct me as well. Do you realize that as we get together, if you're having some fellowship with one another, if you're, if you're connecting with one another, 
you can actually instruct your pastors and your elders and your leaders in the church. We all need to be encouraged in our faith and to to learn further instruction and to grow in our relationship. So he is encouraging them. He's he's or I'm sorry, not he's thankful for them in terms of the ability to mutually instruct, but also to mutually encourage. I'm one of those people that I'm so grateful for encouragers. Because there's times, you know, when you're like, am I really accomplish anything? Am I, you know, like, what, you know, what have I really done for the Lord lately or whatever? And then you'll have somebody who'll write you a little note. Oh, Pastor Hank, thank you for this. Or, you know, come up to you and say, wow, you know, I really am so thankful for. And those are the encouragements that motivate us to continue and to press on. We have people in this church who have the gift of encouragement. I'm going to talk a little bit more about gifts in a little while, but, but a gift of encouragement is, is, is something that just, when you're with somebody who has that, you can just feel it. And, and when you have that kind of a relationship and somebody comes along and they, they, they just open their mouth and out comes encouragement, you know that that's a gift that they have. And it's such a blessing and such a great thing for us to have. Well, the next thing is, um, he wants to praise the Lord for seeing them mature. He wants them to basically grow up in their faith. And, and how that's going to happen is as they uh, become more and more obedient to the word. In other words, they don't just hear the word they don't just uh, have the times when they come together and they have this instruction and other things that are taking place. But beyond that, they have learned to apply it and they put it into practice in their lives. Obedience is something that uh, comes from practice. In other words, I hear something, I put it into to motion in my life, and it becomes more and more and more of who I am. And that's what God really desires of us, is that obedience. Well, let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I didn't include all of the letters uh, because of time, but uh, there are some others that I, that I could include, uh, but I didn't. But in here, let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and we'll read verses uh, 4 to 9. And and just before I read this, notice the words that he uses in here. And and I'm going to emphasize them as we go along, but just just pay attention to some of these words. I give thanks to to my God always... For you, because of the grace that God, of God that was given you in Christ Jesus, that in every way you were enriched in him, in all speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you, so that you are not lacking any gift as you wait for the re- uh, revealing of our God, I'm sorry, of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
who will sustain you to the end. Guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. So, you notice that he says, I give thanks to God always for you. Could, can you kind of picture uh, with me, uh, if you would, uh, somebody who has childlike faith? And they come to you and you are able to speak to them of the Lord and you watch them as they grow up, as they mature, as they move forward in their life. And when you do that, every time you think of that person, all of a sudden the the thing that comes to your mind is thankfulness. Do any of you have somebody like that? That when you see that person, or when you think of that person, the thing that comes to your mind immediately is, wow, I am so thankful for you, or for that person. And that's kind of what Paul is saying here. He says, kind of like, you you kind of get the impression, it's like, you know what, every time I think of you Corinthian believers, I'm so thankful. I am just so thankful for you. There are people in my life that I don't express it to them enough, that how grateful, how thankful I am to them and for their, their impact in my life, for their encouragement in my life, for, the, for their love and, and grace shown to me. And just a deep thanks for those people. I don't know about you, but um, I think Paul probably had a prayer list. I have a prayer list. I'm sure many of you have a prayer list. There's a a, a list of people that I just kind of go through that are in there every day. There are some that I pray for for healing. There are some that I pray for on their spiritual walk. There are some that I pray for uh, with other things that that I I know that they need prayer on. And I kind of think that Paul probably had a little prayer list. And on his prayer list was probably all of these churches that he's writing to. But here he says that he gives thanks always. I love that. So, again, my impression is he probably has his list, and every time I'm praying, I've got my list, and I'm praying for you as a church. Well, what is he praying for? First of all, he is thankful. Uh, We're not working there, Jim. Oh, there we go. He's thankful for the church, and he means their individual believers. You know, sometimes I I mentioned earlier about the church and the the broad church, but we always have to remember that the church is made up of individual believers. So even as I'm saying I'm grateful, I'm thankful for the church, Bethel Baptist, the the, the, uh, evangelical pastors of the community, the the district, I'm I'm thankful for individuals within this church, within many of those other churches. I don't know about you, but when I am given an opportunity where I'm like this, where I'm up in the front and I look out and I see people, I I could stand here honestly and I could say, well, this person and this person, and I, I could go right around the room and I could share, but we don't have enough time for that today, but I could share with you 
why I'm thankful for so many of you. And the reason I don't say all of you is because I don't, haven't met necessarily all of you yet. But I can say that probably 99.9% of the people here, I can look at you and I can say I'm thankful for you. For this and for that. And that's kind of what you get here when Paul is talking in this letter that he's thankful for this church. He's thankful for the people that he's interacted with, that he's connected with. And secondly, Paul is thankful, and we all ought to be, for the grace of God resulting in what? Enriched spiritual knowledge. What is enriched spiritual knowledge? They're able to understand more and more and more. More more of the word of God becomes applicable and real to them. It becomes something where where when they when they study the word and they look at the word, it's like becomes alive. And that's a spiritual knowledge. That's not head knowledge. There's a difference between head knowledge and spiritual knowledge. Spiritual knowledge is I understand it in my spirit and I understand it's a life-changing thing because of the grace of God. And so that's what he's talking about. Enriched in speech. In other words, whenever, whenever you hear this person speak, words of love and grace and, and God come flowing out of their mouth. We had, we had people up in the front here this morning who, who read some things. But, but if you notice that John read and then he shared a personal thought. That's enriched speech coming out. Because God has changed his life. As he's changed yours and mine. And as a result of that, our speech becomes more and more Christ-like. We're able to encourage one another more and more. I love this one. He says, not only that, but the testimony of Christ is seen in them. In other words, what? People have seen a change in the way that these people live their life. The way they interact with one another. The way they interact with with the people in the world. People see a difference in them. When I was still on the police department, uh, there was a time before I became a Christian where, you know, I was one of the guys. Everybody kind of included me. We did all kinds of stuff together. Then uh, I came to know Christ through the ministry of this church, and and uh, Christ changed my life. And I uh, many of the things that the police department officers, the world, were doing. I didn't want to do anymore. And then as I kind of hung around and got more and more involved with, with the church, I'd, I'd hear the comments down the hall like, you know, well, he's the religious one in the back. He's the religious one. In other words, people were talking about me in a different way. And I hope that they came to the point where they started to see Christ in me. Not that they saw me just as the religious guy, in other words, the guy who's the churchy guy, the, the, you know, that sort of thing, but rather they saw me as a Christ follower, somebody who was striving to be more like Jesus Christ, that they would see Christ in me. 
And hopefully they would want to emulate that as well. Then he says that they're not lacking any spiritual gift. And this is talking about as a church. You realize that the church is given people with spiritual gifts. Right? I mean, not everybody knows this, but the church has people who are here amongst us who have spiritual gifts. Now, one of the problems that we have in our society today is that so many times the spiritual gifts are associated with the miraculous things, you know, the tongues and the, the healings and all of that. But, but God has given all kinds of gifts to the body. In fact, the church would not be effective at all if the people within the body who have spiritual gifts did not use those spiritual gifts for the building up of the body. That's what they're given for. They're not given for the individual church. In fact, in Corinthians later on, Paul addresses this, this very issue, and he, and he, he tells them, you're misusing your gifts. You're using your gifts for your own glory. That's not the purpose of the spiritual gifts. The spiritual gifts are given to build up the body so that the body of Christ may, may demonstrate what Jesus Christ is all about. I don't know about you, but um, I think about people in our body over the years that I've been here who have had some spiritual gifts that have blessed me as an individual. Uh, things that uh, you, you're like, Wow. I think of people who sometimes you would be with them and it's somebody that you would least expect that this person would be able to teach you something. You know the kind of person I'm talking about, right? I mean, we all know some of those, right? It's like you're with them and you think, you know, what can I learn from this person? And I'm not being mean when I say that. It's just a reality. I mean, just, and all of a sudden you're sitting there and maybe you're in a classroom or you're at a prayer meeting or you're just kind of standing around talking and this person opens up their mouth and out comes something and you go, wow, wow. It's because they may not have all of the gifts. They may not be somebody who, who by their very appearance or nature draws you to them and you want to, wow, but rather... They have a spiritual gift where they can teach. And you might not even use them as a teacher in the church. But when you're in their presence and they open their mouth, at just the right time, they teach you something that you could not learn in any other way. That's a spiritual gift. That's a blessing to the body. And the body can grow and mature because of people like that. Well, turn with me, if you would, to Colossians. We're going to keep going here. I'm sorry. I skipped one. Philippians. Um, Philippians. So page uh, 1,165 in your, um, in your pew Bible there. And we're in Philippians uh, chapter 1, verses 3 to 8. Philippians 1. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always and in every prayer of mine for you, all making my prayer with joy. 
because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. Oh, I'm sorry, one more verse. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you with all the affection of Christ Jesus. So what is he thankful for for the Philippians church? Well, he's thankful for their partnership in the gospel. Paul realizes, and I, and I hope that all of you realize, that no one can do the gospel all by themselves. It really takes the body of Christ to present the gospel, to live the gospel. What is the gospel? The gospel is that Jesus Christ, that God so loved the world, that while we were enemies, while we were sinners, God so loved us that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, into this world. And that Christ left his Father's side in heaven and came to earth as a baby. He grew up into a man. He lived a perfect life. Falsely accused, he was, a, he was hung on a cross, and he died. They took him down from the cross, and they buried him in a grave. And three days later, God raised him back to life again, and he's still alive at the right hand of God the Father. There is no other religion that has that gospel in the whole world. Thank you. There is no other Everybody should be saying amen. There is no other religion in the world that has that gospel, that promise, that hope of eternal life because of his finished work for us on that cross. And that's the gospel that he's partnering with them in. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we are partners together in that gospel. You and I, at different ways and, and, and in different manners and, and all kinds of differences, but we are all partners together in that gospel, just as Paul felt that way about the Philippian church. And then they have a, he has a confidence that God will complete the work in them. See, God has begun a work in all of us, hasn't he? When he called us to a point of salvation, that part of the work is done. But he wants us to grow up and mature. He doesn't want us to remain babes anymore. And so that's the completing of the work. It's, it's completing how we grow up and mature. And how the church grows up and matures. And how, therefore, we can be a witness to a lost and hurting world. God desires and wants us to grow up, to not be children. Genuine spiritual growth and progress is rooted in what God has done and is doing and will continue to do in your life and mine. 
So as I talk about growing up, I'm not talking about something that we're doing. It's how God is working in us to bring about that completion, to helping us to grow up and to become mature men and women, women of God. Well, let's turn to Colossians, uh, page 2293, Colossians uh, chapter 1. Uh, that's not 2293. <laughs> 12. No. What is it? Eleven sixty-eight. Okay, thank you. I don't know where I got that number from. Not even close. Colossians. Sorry. Uh, chapter one, verses three to thirteen or fourteen. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and and of the love that you have for all the saints. Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the world. uh, I'm sorry. Before in the word of the truth of the gospel. Which has come to you as indeed in the whole world. It is bearing fruit and increasing. As it also does among you. Since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the king of, kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of sins. Paul's thankful here for their faith in Jesus Christ. But you notice it's not a faith that's just superficial. It's a real faith. It's a life-changing faith. The kind of faith that God has called us all to. Their love of one another. I, I, I think within... Within the church, I think this is one of those areas where if we really know Jesus Christ and if we truly want to have a connection that the world will say, I want to be like those people, they need to see how much we love one another. We can say we love one another. We can encourage one another verbally. But love is an action step. It's not just a feeling. When we have a brother or sister who has a need, we just step forward and we, and we help to meet that need. And how can that work itself out within the, within, without, uh, outside of the body? 
Many of you heard of the young man who was uh, injured about a month or month and a half ago in the uh, mining accident. Uh, his uh, daughter is on our son and daughter-in-law, uh, Brian and Corey's uh, daughter, Brianna's basketball team. And they've, they're kind of friends, and, and so they know one another. And so uh, his name is Jason. I pray for him every day. He's on my prayer list, and, and uh, not only for uh, his health, but also for their family to come to know Christ. Brian and I one day were, were traveling in the truck and he was talking about, you know, Dad, I'd like to uh, help the family. They, they're downstate, the, the, the parents, the grandparents are kind of stepping in and helping out. And, uh, you know, the kids are, are there. And, and, uh, and so, he, you know, he was talking about, you know, like, what, what are some things you think we could do? And I said, well, you know, I, I think that if you were to reach a point, and I think you're going to probably see something on this in the coming weeks here, but, um, you know, one of the things that I'm sure that the people in this church would be more than happy to do, and that's to make meals, go over to the house and sit with the kids, do some acts of grace and kindness to this family. That's love in action. And so I think, you know, Brian is, sounded like he was going to run with that and, and, and he's going to start trying to put something together along that line. We can do that for one another as believers, but we can also do it for those outside of the church. They're going to see our faith in action when they see the love that we have for one another and even for those who are outside of the church. Well, the other one is their understanding of the grace of God. I talked a little bit earlier about the grace of God when I shared with you what the gospel is. That's really the grace of God. And, and I think uh, I shared with you I didn't include uh, Ephesians as one of the letters, but I do believe that uh, as they grew to understand the grace of God more and more, they probably thought more and more about what he had taught to the Ephesians church in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this, even the faith, is not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one can boast. When I think of the grace of God, my mind goes right there to that verse, those verses. Because in reality, God has done it all for us. While we were sinners, he took care of us. We were his enemies, and he cared enough for us to send his son. That is amazing grace. Overwhelming grace. And they, as a church, are understanding that grace more and more. Are we, as a church, understanding that grace more and more? Are we getting it? Are we understanding? Well, the last one is a letter to uh, Philemon. It's not a church, uh, but I thought I would include this one. Uh, page 1186. 
if I got that one right. Yes. Page 1186. And the reason I wanted to include this one, even though it's not a letter to one of the churches, is because letters to individuals are equally significant. So Paul writes to Philemon, he says, I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers, because I hear of your love and of the faith that you have toward the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. For I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. So, with Philemon, he's thankful for the love of Jesus Christ that is seen in that, that man. I, I think we all uh, understand that you can see love. All it takes is to see somebody who goes out of their way to come and spend some time with you, to stand next to you, to encourage you, to uh, come and give you a hug, to whatever it might be. That builds up the body and demonstrates the love of Jesus Christ and their love for all the believers. I love my wife dearly. I love my family, my, my biological family. But I love my church family. And I hope that in some way you all know that. that. That in some way I have demonstrated it in some form or another. That you know that I care for you. Because I want people to see the love of Christ coming out of me. Because I have received so much love from God. And that's where we ought to be. Well, I, I, when I was doing this, I thought, well, what, what would God want Bethel to look like from some of these things? And we'll go through these real quickly here. First of all, he wants us to know that we're all saved by God's grace. There's not a single person in this room today who can earn their way into God's heaven, period. There is not a single thing that you and I can do to get to heaven. God has done it all for us. That's God's grace. God wants us to be a witness to the world. No, there's a good way to witness and there's a bad way to witness. You can go up and preach and shake your hand and your fist in people's face and, and all of those kinds of things. Or you can demonstrate the love of God in people's lives so that they are drawn to Jesus Christ. That's what God wants from us. It's for us to live a life that looks like Jesus Christ to the world. God wants us to come together and dig deeper into the word and encourage one another in our walk. <clears throat> How do we come together and dig deeper into the Word? Well, you can come on a Sunday morning, you can listen to a message. You can get involved with adult Bible fellowships where you study the Word a little bit deeper. You can get involved with small groups where you can dig deeper yet. 
You can get involved with things like youth group and Awana and things like, like that where, where you can impact people's lives and help them to know Jesus Christ more and more. That's coming together. That's getting dig, digging deeper and that's encouraging others in their walk. And that's one of the things that Paul is talking about here. God wants us to mature deeper, to a deeper hope. He wants us to be reliant on him and recognize that our only hope is found in Jesus Christ and him alone. He wants us to demonstrate the love of Christ to one another in words and in deeds. He wants us to mature to a deeper hope and demonstrate the love of Christ to one another in words and in deeds. I already said that. Remind one another that we are interdependent upon one another and upon the Lord. Now our salvation is dependent only on the Lord. I understand that. But in our spiritual walk, we are interdependent. We help each other to grow and to mature as we come together and as we instruct and, and, and teach and, and help one another. To love one another and to demonstrate the gifts that God has given. We are to be thankful to God for people and not for things. I shared with you a little earlier that Ann and I both came to know the Lord through the ministry of this church as adults. Many people in the church at that time, and the church was a lot smaller at that time, but many people within the church at that time impacted us in different ways. Anne came to know the, the Lord through some people from this church who invited her to a uh, Bible study. And through the Bible study, she came to know Christ as her personal Lord and Savior. We had a, a cross-the-street neighbor who, who uh, I've shared with, with most of you my testimony, but uh, I, I always say that I investigated my way into salvation, which means that I started asking a lot of uh, who, what, why, and where questions, you know, the old police, of this guy. And he was answering the questions and didn't even realize that the Holy Spirit was using that to help me to come to know Christ. And then we, then we would come here uh, on, on Sunday mornings uh, when I was available and come to buy, uh, Sunday school. And I can still remember, I've shared this with people, I can still remember Kurt Marker out in the gymnasium. And that's where our Sunday school would meet. And uh, he was standing up there and he had a blackboard. It shows you how long ago it was, right, to use blackboards. We had a blackboard. And uh, all you uh, uh, Campus Crusade, oh, I'm sorry, crew people. Um, I, I, that was a little inside joke. Um, Kurt had, you know, the big circles up on the, on the chalkboard with a crown, or I mean a, a throne on that, right, or a chair. And so those of you who are familiar with, with uh, the four spiritual laws, you recognize that, you know, so who's on the throne of your life? Is it God or is it you? And uh, do you need an explanation on that? See uh, the Michaels over here. The uh, reason I'm pointing that out is, you see, I was coming here and getting instruction, as was Anne. But here's a, here's a simple little one, and I'm going to end with this, but here's a little simple one that you might not um, have even thought about, or most people might not even have thought about. But there was a, an older gentleman uh, who was here. As I look back, he was probably my age now. But 
Anyway, he was an older gentleman. And um, every Sunday, every Sunday, if I was here, if Ann and I would come here, he would come over and say, oh, I'm glad to see you today. And he, he just, he would make us feel so welcome. Clarence Swanson. Simple guy. Prison guard. Love the Lord. And on Sundays that I wasn't able to be here because I worked uh, some Sundays, uh, you know, I was still on shift work when I first became a believer, and I, there were some Sundays when I couldn't be here. Some, most of the time, if I worked on a midnight shift, I'd come here on, uh, on Sunday morning, and I'd be sitting here, you know. But I'd be here because I had to be here, and, you know. But on the Sundays that I would miss, Clarence would come up to Ann, and he'd say, Where's Hank today? Oh, he's working. Oh, okay, well, I just wanted to know I missed him. And then I'd come the next week. Well, I'd, Hank, it's good to see you. I missed you last week. What do you think that did for me? As a young believer, it was like, wow, somebody cares. Somebody cares. Somebody in this place loves me enough. Somebody they hardly even know loves me enough to notice whether I'm here or not. You can be one of those people. See, you don't have to be up in the front preaching, and most of you know that I, I feel always very uncomfortable preaching because I don't feel qualified, but, but there's certain roles that sometimes you, you do. <laughs> but you know what? You don't have to be up in the front preaching. You don't have to be up in the front singing. You don't have to be up in the front lighting candles. You don't have to be up in the sound or projection. You don't have to be anything except somebody who loves other people in the church and lets them know. And lets them know that you care that they're here. That you care about them as a person. You want them to come back. You bless people when you do that. I am so grateful for this church, for all it's done for Ann and I and our family, and for all of you. I am thankful. In this season of thanks, that's the most important thing that I'm thankful for. Not a thing, it's a people.